When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing with the next to last, the penultimate, we might say, of the 2020 positional reviews, the, the offensive line review with Voss Laracos, good friend, t- longtime friend of the show. Voss, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Ken. Very well. Thanks for having All me. All right. Love having you every time. Always a great football discussion. Well, the offensive line, an interesting position, uh, an interesting position group for the Ravens last year and a big position group to be talking about once. So we've, we've already talked. We have a little bit of free time to do this, hopefully. Um, lots of youth particularly on the interior line at tackle. They were pretty well set, except for depth, where they had none. But on the interior line, a nice uh, group of young players to choose from. But it was one of the cases where they had a big box of chocolates there, and they didn't necessarily know how to choose without a preseason, without OTAs, to get to that final answer quickly. As uh, Eric DaCosta called it, shallow depth in his postseason or end-of-season press conference. Uh, It was a tough season for the offensive line in a way. They fell in a lot of metrics from top three to maybe top 16. But some of that, I think, is to be expected when you lose Marshall Yanda uh, right up there with Jonathan Ogden as far as best offensive lineman in the history of the franchise. And also Ronnie Stanley, the best current offensive lineman, missed the final 12 games. So that's uh, that's tough to overcome when you lose your top two guys. Yeah, I, obviously, uh, you know, that was a lot to go through for the Ravens, and they, they did struggle with it. One of the things I think we continue to see is that Lamar Jackson really does fix a lot of problems on your offensive line in terms of 
making everybody's job a little easier relative to what it would be normally. Absolutely. Um, Lamar is a force multiplier, I like to call him, especially on the offensive line in the run game. But uh, in fairness, his pocket presence regressed a little bit as well in 2020 compared to 2019, in my opinion. Now, we couldn't expect Lamar to have the same season he did in 2019, and we're not talking about the, about the quarterback position, so we'll leave that be. But I think it is reasonable for people to have expectations of Lamar Jackson that are in line. And if you want to nitpick about his passing, the only thing I say is you better include his impact on the offensive line and exactly how much he's doing. And this team rushed for, the, I think, the fifth most yards in NFL history. It might have been the fourth most, but it was up there in the top five. Uh, and they, you know basically easily could have set the single game record and effectively chose not to in a game where they uh, uh, they were running all over the Bengals, right? The Bengals was the game, I think, that, that, uh, mm-hmm. that they did that. Um, but let's talk about the offensive line individually here. So we'll start with Ronnie Stanley, who played only 295, scored snaps this year, a few more than that when you include other plays like uh, like penalties and kneels and spikes and such. But uh, uh, 295 is the number that I scored. Uh, a C-plus for the season as I had it. Uh, we really have to hope he returns to form. It's, it wasn't just that he was hurt. He didn't play at, up to the normal Stanley level in the time he was there early in the season. Yes. Um, a couple penalties, quite a few pre-snap penalties. I think they recorded him with five um, I did a little bit of research into the injury. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Dr. David Child, who goes by the pro football doc. Mm-hmm. Um, he's amazing the way he can diagnose an injury off a of video. He's probably 90% accurate. He does expect Stanley will be available in week one. He does anticipate he can return to all pro four, maybe not initially, um, but he is expected to training camp, according to Coach Harbaugh. Stanley, um, his strengths obviously mirroring in, in pass protection and he has the athleticism to reach second level occasionally he does i think struggle with uh the low center of gravity bull rush they can walk him back occasionally but uh obviously one of the very best left tackles in the league yeah specifically regarding the bull rush one of the things that stanley can do and get away with a lot with lamar jackson is that he is is the one of the best you'll ever see in terms of his feet being able to move laterally and being able to maintain his position relative to the, uh, whether it's a speed rusher or a bull rusher, interceding between uh, that rusher and Jackson. It's okay in a lot of ways to give up ground in the pocket to Lamar Jackson. First of all, usually that means the pocket is actually disintegrating because, uh, you know, you know, uneven players at different levels are going to create room for Jackson to run. But more than that, Lamar Jackson really moves around the pocket as well as anybody. And, uh, you know, there's some things where he, he may become flustered throwing the football, but he really gets does very well moving from spot to spot within the pocket. And that's one of the things I've loved about about the the, uh, the relationship with, between him and Stanley and how good it is. Uh, four pressures, one and a third quarterback hits, one, one and two thirds sacks. Now, I'll remind people, I give out partials. So I'll give out a third or two thirds of a sacks to people where where PFF generally won't do that. So generally speaking, the additional other thing is when you hear me talk about these numbers, I use a three second standard instead of two and a half. So generally my numbers are going to be higher and more strict and uh, in terms of the offensive linemen. But uh, I still love who Stanley is as a player. I think it was still a good investment and I hope the injury does not change that. Yes, good investment. The early extension made sense for both sides. Um, you has to be right player, right place, right price for early extensions as well. The team has to see some type of benefits, some type of discount in exchange for giving the player the security, and they did. Ronnie took a little bit of a haircut versus Tunsil and and Bakhtiari, who signed after him. Um, I would actually look to that contract as a potential restructure. Um, according to Sport Track, potentially five million in space they can free up if they convert bonus. Uh, excuse me. Guaranteed salary. Yes. Guaranteed salary to bonus and spread it through the life of the contract. He's a premium position player in the prime of his career. Those are the, the best kind of players, I think, to restructure. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a fairly simple thing. It is probably contractual that, that Stanley doesn't have a right to refuse it. 
but uh, they can take effectively 5.2 million of this year's salary and pay it pay it immediately to them as a check and then it, it gets accounted for as 1.3 million for each of the next four years it actually would be 6.5 million they take in it's 1.3 million this year and then 1.3 million each in the next four but that's a great way to borrow and it's one of the few really easy ways the ravens have on the books right now to borrow from the future without uh extending a contract so we looked at that and there's a great study out by dan reese on the site that i want to i want to point people to that gives a visual representation of where those dollars are uh let's move on to left guard here actually i i want to talk about about the other left tackle first (laughs) so uh a great year from Orlando Brown, frankly. Um, I, I really love the way he played. Uh, I, I graded him higher than I think other services do. But 1,110 snaps, uh, a terrific year in terms of, of being an Ironman. Uh, did very well uh, in, in most elements. He does give up a few pressures. Uh, I thought did a great job blocking 12 to 6 on that left side. Absolutely. He uses the length and the size to shepherd the rushers right around the pocket. And he's a, a down, box, down block specialist. Um, that's his strong point. But be able to change positions in the middle of the season. I think he only gave up three sacks. Um, and he benefits from, from Jackson. But, you know, we, he doesn't have to worry about inside counters quite as much because the ends have to play contain. But certainly a very good player. I was hoping he was potentially going to be a cornerstone player of cornerstone contract maybe they even this team it does make sense to play two tackles but apparently he uh has a strong desire to play on the left side yeah so it's not surprising i i whether it's i don't really care what it is i don't care if it's about money or legacy or whatever he wants to do but but he's he deserves to play wherever he can and and i think he has proven that he can play left tackle effectively and if that is the case, then the Ravens are not in a position to harvest that value. So it does make sense for them to go to the market. And if they can get a premium offer for him, and there are a lot of teams with left tackle problems that can't easily solve them, then it would make sense for the Ravens to allow some other team to harvest that value and and them get a return in draft capital that's commensurate with how much that other team gains from it as opposed to how much they lose from losing Brown at right tackle, which is significant in the run game, but it's not as much as somebody else is going to gain from having a good left tackle. Right. Uh, The scarcity of quality offensive tackles is prevalent throughout the league. I personally would have to think it is just a matter of he likes the footwork and the mechanics of the left side because the difference between top left tackle money and top right tackle money is a little bit overstated. Two of the six Top paid tackles overall do play on the right side. And whether you're talking 16 million for the number one or 17 million for the number one right tackle or the number three or four left tackle, it's a big investment either way. A little bit odd to have a player demand to play a different position. I'm not sure I've seen that before. There's plenty of very high end tackles. Ryan Ramchek, for example, who plays on the right side. But um, it is what it is. Big year um, in a lot of ways here, but one of the things that was nice about Brown, he, he was uh, other, he, he was probably the Ravens' most consistent lineman. Bozeman was very consistent as well, but but Brown um, didn't really have a single fall off the table game this year. And as someone who scores offensive line play, there's a fair amount of variation game to game in terms of how people perform. It's the nature of giving up high value events that have a low frequency, high severity events effectively for people who are in insurance, and he does that some but he he didn't have a game below a d minus this year so no f's uh, on the higher on the entire season did have a tough game in the opener uh where he gave up some pressure against cleveland and and everybody was having trouble but he faced uh, olivier vernon a lot of that game a little bit of miles garrett and uh, was not particularly effective that day but otherwise played extremely well lots of b's throughout the season uh you you, you put it all together and you have a really you know a guy who really is able to write his own ticket in, far, in terms of where he plays, I think, down the line. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, to me, it's perfectly reasonable that he'd, he'd be allowed to go out to the market and, and find a trade for himself. Um, I think the longer this goes on, the less likely it probably is. Uh, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. It, I guess things are really going to start opening up here in the next couple of weeks with the franchise window. And we've seen a couple of trades for quarterbacks so far. 
could be a, a hot and heavy trade uh, cycle this year with teams trying to scramble for cap space um, and, and maybe trading away some players to, to open that up. I, I'd like to circle back to that point when we look at the, the long-term out, outlook. Okay. All right, we'll do that. Uh, let's move on then. The next guy on, the, on our list is uh, Bozeman, who uh, I think also had a very fine year. Uh, the Ravens' run game is, is remarkably right-handed in terms of its nature. Now, Brown had uh, a f- one of the things that's amazing about Brown's season is he pulled a tremendous amount from left to right. You don't think of Orlando Brown as being a puller. Uh, and I would not say he hit on a high percentage of those blocks. A lot of it was just as part of a two-man pull, he's set up to be the second man through the hole, which is more likely than not will not have an assignment. But he still puts stress on the opposing defense by having that pull go to the right side and having those linebackers usually flow to that play, which can create a speed option to the left, Jackson up the middle, or potentially following those pullers to the right, where it is more likely that Brown's going to get a block. Um, it's it's, it's a, a little surprising that that would happen, but the right-handed run game is really led by Bozeman at left guard, who pulls more than just about anybody in the league. And I, I don't have numbers on the rest of the league, but Bozeman's pulls were at a historic level for the Ravens this year, and uh, really remarkable uh, what he was able to do they're very good and and he has a great sense of how to keep his feet in level two that i really like uh, a great sense of how to get around the corner doesn't automatically u-turn which is kind of the fallback position of a lot of of guards pulling from left to right meaning that they they don't see somebody quickly or, or, or ahead of them in level two and so they try and turn back and maybe there's no one there but sometimes they get a decent block out of it um but anyway i, I think it's oftentimes and this is something we saw from fullbacks in the past with the ravens like Vontae leach are, are really good at keeping their momentum and then making something happen further into level two or three yes Bozeman's ability to pull is tremendous i think that's really the foundation maybe of the entire the scheme um and there's been some some talk of ken bozeman go back to center because he was he played center at alabama and some people say you need a natural center I'm not sure I, I buy into that because some of the best centers in ravens history matt burke uh, mike flynn um they they did not play ryan jensen even did not play center in college but uh, Bozeman, the, the interesting part about him, and he's an above replacement level player, no doubt. I think he's probably a B quality player. It's a little bit hard to differentiate. How would some of these players fare if they were not playing with Lamar Jackson in Greg Roman's system? But when you saw some of the breakdowns on the right side this past season, that you'd certainly identify that Bozeman is a better than average player. Entering the fourth season, part of that tremendous 2018 draft class, is this the time to look at an early extension? I think it could make some sense. He's he's he, he's reached the proven performance escalator, so his contract's not dirt cheap. And if you can sign him for maybe four million a year, something along those lines, a little bit of a, a team-friendly deal, I think it makes a lot of sense for, for both sides. I think, and and the Ravens have effectively three classes of player in that nine starters that they drafted in 2018. So they have the upper class of Brown, Andrews, and Jackson, who you're not going to be able to get cheap. So, you know, it's it, there's not a easy, early, team-friendly deal. They, there might be a deal they can make, but there's no easy, early, team-friendly deal. Then they have the guys they've already, unfortunately, lost, and that includes Zach Seeler, who was the first of that group to sign, and oh. two other guys, Kenny Young, who they traded, and I'm forgetting one other, who they, who they lost otherwise or traded. Hayden, Hayden Hurst. Hurst, of course. So Hayden yeah. Hurst already very productive in Atlanta. And and then they have the three guys in the middle. And so three guys in the middle, I think they could re-sign. Bozeman, um, Averitt, uh, who is, mm-hmm. I think, a very valuable corner for the Ravens at this point where, they're, where the corners are getting a little bit older and more expensive. And, and then uh, Elliott is the other guy mm-hmm. who now has played a full season at, at safety and is an important player. But those guys, they're in the middle class of the NFL, and they could get squeezed on money. They can get hurt and lose a lot of their financial security lifetime. There's a lot of divisible benefit for both sides in signing a maybe a three-year deal with those guys that extends them through the end of their seventh season. Still gives them a shot at free agency if they have big careers. They're not going to give up on all the money, but also gives them the financial security to uh, uh, really make make the most out of their NFL career money, make sure they collect on that, and then they still have a chance to really collect big if they want to. 
Sure, makes sense. I put Bozeman at the top of that list. The only caution, and I don't want to get into roster construction too deeply, if the more mid-tier contracts you have, the less opportunity you have to to have. You know, it depends on how you want to allocate your roster, top-heavy or strong middle class. Mm -hmm. So if you if you pay all your middle class guys, you you can't. You, maybe you miss out on a couple stars. Yeah, I mean, I, I do agree with that. And so you're, you, if you want a, a barbell roster, you do that. But I think. Bozeman is so important to the Ravens scheme and to a connection with Lamar Jackson that it really makes a lot of sense for him to be one. You know, Elliot would be, I guess you could question whether the deal would make sense because the Ravens could otherwise draft a uh, free safety in the first round this year. That would be an alternative to it. But yeah, I agree that you, you, you have to make judicious calls uh, oh. in there to get the, get the guy you want. And you also, it has to be the right bargain. I mean, for Anthony Averett, the number might be just slightly above the minimum. I say that, you know, 1.6, 1.7 million per year for three years kind of deal. Uh, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be a whole lot of money, clearly in his case, but but it would be something that would be, you know, keeping with the Ravens and hopefully would not uh, not cost them a star player in the future. Absolutely. All right, let's move on. Matt Skura, uh, somebody. Uh, by the way, I did grade Bo uh, Bozeman's overall season a B for what it's worth. Matt Skura. Um, had a better year than people realize as a blocker at center, but obviously his year was picked apart and rightfully so for all the snapping problems he had. Um, talk about your basic low frequency and high severity events. Those snaps are an enormous problem, and um, he he has to figure out how to retrain his motion retrain his brain not to expect contact that is causing snapping problems if he wants to return, I think. And I, I, I don't think the chance is zero. The Ravens bring it back. Nor do I. I heard an interesting interview from Matt Burke on 105.7, the local radio station in Baltimore. And Burke's point was when you are snapping out a shotgun and then run blocking uh, a, high, a high volume in, in a game, it's, it's difficult for whatever reason, I guess the mechanically, to, to avoid going a full game without an air and snap. Um, the issue with Skura, and I watch a lot of football other teams, and, and you see a lot of centers where the ball's a foot to the left or a foot to the right or a little bit high or a little bit low, and Lamar did a great job of corralling the ones he could, but when they're, you know, way off, you know, like a wild pitch, yep. that's when it's really an issue. But uh, I do think Skura, if he can be retained on maybe a two-year, $3 million contract, something along those lines, it makes sense. I know you're a big uh, fan of arm length, obviously. It makes you should be. That's all about the leverage. Um, he has long arms for the position. He does well on the duo combo blocks, and he can reach a second level. And even if he doesn't end up being a center, he played 12 games at right guard in 2017, and he fared pretty well. Um, so I think that might be a, a player, a, a nice value signing potentially going forward. Yeah, Skur is a player. I'm not sure you have to bring him back on more than a vet min contract or something, you know, very limited amount above that. But probably be a one year deal because I don't see a big market for him across the NFL after what happened. Um, the Ravens know him better, and I think they'll have a better sense of whether or not what he's doing can be fixed. Um, and it does make sense, by the way, the points you made about Matt Burke make sense to me because when you're pass blocking, you have na you naturally are creating space relative to the opponent. When you're run blocking, your first job is to dive into the rib cage of that defensive tackle, obviously. So it makes sense from Burke's, you know, how Burke is recounting this. Mm -hmm. I, I guess the, the idea behind a two-year deal is if he has a great season next year, then you have him at a discount the following. Um, but I think – I do. I think he's a player that, that should get a hard look. Obviously, this wasn't the season. Let's also not forget he came back from a trifecta knee injury in record time uh, to his benefit as well. Yeah, and, and you know, another point here is that it's not like the Ravens really lit up the world with any of their other centers in this last year. I, 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 they've got options there. They've got a lot of options. They just don't have a single great option, I think, at this point that, uh, uh, that everybody says, yeah, that's the guy. Agreed. All right. Um, let's move on. I think uh, Tyree Phillips might be next. Actually, there's some other centers in here. Let's talk about them first. Let's talk about McCary. Um, McCary, interesting guy because he played three different positions for the Ravens. Um, his, his play at center 
uh, was probably the best because it was the longest uh, in terms of what he did there. He had a, had a, a, a C there in multiple games and took over for, let's see just how many games he played at center for the Ravens. Looks like he played about seven full games, including the playoffs. Uh, scoring was just a couple points lower than Skura in terms of his his blocking score. Uh, his arm length problems continue to show up with him. The action verb shed shows up, but he's 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 played at a level where I think you could say he's an, a, a, at least a solid backup in the NFL going forward. I agree with that. He's a serviceable player. His best role is as a, as a backup, and he has, I guess, four position versatility, which is uh, which is a good a good thing, obviously. Um, so, as a UDFA, he should be with the team for at least another two years, correct? If they yep. extend him as a ERFA. Um, but yeah, 31 inch arms is very small and he's just a little bit undersized as far as the weight and, and the build as well. Um, so yeah, great, great guy to have as a backup going forward. Yeah. It's still, still physical. The arm length really is important on the inside for the Ravens for the back end of double team blocks. You need to get that player under control. And that's something Skura did very well. I mean, a lot of things Skura did well that, that kind of go under the radar, but the Ravens haven't had tripping problems with Skura. They haven't had a bunch of linemen go down and that was a big thing at the end of the Mike Flynn era was he tripped up McNair or Bowler or, or Anthony Wright or the left guard or any number of other players on a lot of plays and it's easy to blame a lot of that on Kyle Bowler except it was happening with the other quarterbacks too there's one play I, I, I'm scoring 2005 currently and there's one play on which Vincent and um, Flynn each step on one foot of Anthony Wright <laughs> it's, a, it's a thing of beauty <laughs> yeah. now that you mentioned it I do recall a lot of tripping issues in that period <laughs> yeah so there was a lot so Skura's footwork at least the, the first step is excellent that's probably good coaching but uh, uh, but Matt Skura has, has adapted and, and, and picked up on that and I hope he, he does what he needs to do this offseason to get the, the, the shotgun snaps uh, back in place McCary too of course had problems with the weather we thought Skura were about the injury. Um, both of them are just having some problems, and 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 each of them needs remedial time um, getting that straightened out. To continue on with McCary, his play at right tackle is not something I would want the Ravens to lean on. He came and he played a half, played quite well, I think against New England, if I recall correctly, and I have to go back and take a look at this. But it was one of these moves where, where you know, you're just surprised. It was New England, 30 snaps of B-plus in that game, uh, played very solidly. I don't think that would hold up over a full season. No, and, and New England uh, defensive front wasn't uh, very imposing. Um McCary, I guess it was, he said he couldn't feel his fingers in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. If that was the report, it was so cold. Uh, but the one interesting point is the Ravens have lost so many position coaches. Offensive line, Joe D is one of the only ones that should return next year. So um, certainly need to work on their snaps, no question. Yeah, well, they, they can't work with him during the offseason. So he needs to go to his own guy and get that right. And, and I think that he needs to train with other people to make this right. So, you know, find a former, maybe recently retired defensive tackle and let him go ahead and get hit a few times as he's snapping the football. Maybe he even needs to do it with another offensive lineman that he can train with to basically, you know, one of the results we might see if they did that was that all of a sudden, these two guys have this incredible double team rapport because they've been doing this this whole offseason. But it's, it's it's I know it's kind of a difficult thing to set up, but they probably have offensive line and defensive line camps somewhere run by some independent guy who could get that started again, then give him the drills and exercises that would that would get him uh, you know back on target with the snaps. And that, and that would really apply to both of them. You would think so. It's not something that seems incorrectable. It's just a matter of muscle memory and repetition uh, and that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, the Ravens have other options at center. We saw two games out of Tristan Colon Castillo this year. Uh, he started the second Pittsburgh game, the infamous COVID game. Didn't play that well. I thought I know he got rave reviews in that game, but honestly, you know, he had a penalty, he had a lot of quarterback hit. It was a D game as far as I'm concerned. Then played the finale against Cincinnati in week 17 when the Ravens had a huge game um, and uh, and looked good, I thought, in that game. Another false start penalty in that one. He has a little bit of hitch in his in his snap that I'm not real fond of, you know, one that, that uh, can send the rest of the line off scurrying and, and they're looking for that first movement of football and, and just not as smooth as, as uh, one might like. 
uh, in that situation. But, you know, otherwise a, a serviceable guy. And the Ravens did the special move of, of, of protecting him by bringing him onto the 53. Yes, definitely a developmental player worth keeping around to fight out for that eighth or ninth job next year. I think he could maybe do some work reshaping his body in the offseason, add some strength. And, you know, the more players you have, whether they end up starting or maybe they're eventually a trade chip, um, the better off they are. They really do have a knack for finding these UDFA centers, it seems. Some people don't like that they haven't invested a big contract in a center, but they're, they're doing a nice job of finding these gems. Yeah, they have. I mean, they, even other guys that didn't end up with the team, like Nick Easton, mm-hmm. now he's, he's been in the league for a long time, and the Ravens traded him, I think, for a seventh-round pick mm-hmm. during his first camp as a UDFA. And and uh, uh, they had other, uh, you know, they've had others over the years, including most notably Skura. Uh, all right. So let's see who's next on our list of people to talk about here. Um, let's talk about about Phillips. Now, okay. won a starting job maybe before his time was due. Then this is another case of having a lot of choices and having a lot of the choices be young guys and just wanting to pick one of those. Um, and and not necessarily having the time to discern between them. I agree. Uh, really, Powers had an extra year in the system, and uh, and he was also drafted in the same range. So you would think that he would have got the nod. Uh, let's talk about Phillips first. Uh, recorded for six sacks. I'm not sure what your number is, but that's what I saw. Yeah, actually, it's one of the few numbers where I have a lower number than PFF, but he allowed a fair amount at both tackle and guard. I have him for 5.17 sacks, so five, okay. five and one-sixth. Um, he has good size. He has wingspan, but below average athleticism, uh, foot speed, and the, the processing part of it, we saw that – that play in Buffalo uh, preceding the uh, the interception, which uh, he's at least partially responsible for that. It just doesn't seem quite quick enough to play tackle. And um, it kind of was a, was maybe a, a out of nowhere draft pick. There was other players on the board who were considered to be better prospects, at least in the media. Um, not as thinking he's his he's a lost cause right by any means, but I think he is going to have to earn playing time going forward instead of being given. Yes, I I agree. It, I mean, his next opportunity may come via injury. That's always a, a, a fallback on where offensive linemen get their chances. But I but I agree. He's he he needs to have a big camp. He needs to have a big off season. And in his case, I don't really think his body is wrong at this point. You know, every every offensive lineman can gain strength. Please, mm-hmm. you know. Invest the time in yourself between year one and two in particular um, to, to get better. But uh, his body looks all right. The, the problem is really that that uh, he has he does not completely understand the mechanics of tackle. And I think if I had to guess, I'm guessing he's moved back to the interior. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab and go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only. For his next shot. Sure, I would agree with that. The question is, will he retain some utility as a swing tackle, potentially? And obviously, a lot of that hinges on on Orlando Brown. Right. So if they if they have Orlando Brown, that would be something. I, I have him as a D at both positions. 
So I can't say there's anything I really loved about his play this last year. Uh, there were moments. Uh, I was just looking at some film with Michael Crawford. By the way, if you haven't seen this, Michael Crawford's run game analysis up on the site. Go take a look. Don't listen to the podcast. We've got that. We've got a twin with that. But but the video really something special worth worth the view. And Phillips makes a great block on on one of those plays. But that length at guard, um, I think, is something that he has a better chance to use within the Ravens system. And uh, and honestly, he's got to open the front gate on a lot of pulls being the guy who makes that pivot and seals that defensive tackle to the inside. The good length, the the, the good build that he has ought to really help there. Uh, of course, now he's dealing with an incumbent. Powers played pretty well down the stretch, and I guess we should talk about him next. Yes, I was impressed by Powers. He had to wait his turn like uh, other linemen before him, but when he was given the opportunity – he played reasonably well. I don't think it's a coincidence that the run game really got on track mm-hmm. down the down the second half of the season. He's not a mauler. He's not. I don't consider him a mauler. At least he's scrappy. He's a battler, um, and I don't. He's not super nimble getting to the second level either. I think they they dialed back some of the zone concepts be, because of his limitations. But I think he was a stabilizing force. I do consider him the incumbent moving forward, and and I. I would not be disappointed if he was penciled in as the starter next year. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's the case. As the incumbent, obviously, he played the last, uh, what, from weeks 11 through 19 um, and, and started every game after after coming in in the New England game. Every time he's played, the question has always been for me, why the hell wasn't this guy in here already? And we heard all kinds of things. You know, he had a trial at center that didn't work out. Uh, had some snapping issues there. You know, we have to wonder what happened all of last year when he came in in the Pittsburgh game, played pretty well in very limited duty. So you, you can't tell a lot from that. But the other thing that that I really liked about who he is as a player is most of his deductions early in 2020 were due to penalty. And when I see that, I, I, I see a familiar pattern with Ravens linemen where they often will have a lot of their uh, deductions via penalty, and that's very correctable. So we saw Ryan Jensen in his big year with the Ravens had three holding penalties in the opening game. Then he didn't have another the whole year. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I like that about powers. The big question really for a lot of these linemen is the pass protection, mm-hmm. I believe because the Ravens are so run heavy and Lamar does so much to help. But every once in a while, when they get into those negative game strips and the linemen can pin their ears back, that's when some of the deficiencies that are masked start to start to show up. Yeah, that's certainly true. In the, in the Buffalo game, that certainly happened. And that was his worst game of the year. It wasn't a fall off the table F, but it was it was an F by a good margin. And, uh, you know, you can you can get raw scores that just so people out there that may be in the 20s or 30s, or even zero. For a game, Phillips had a zero game in a, in a limited number of snaps this year. But uh, uh, Powers, uh, his worst game was a raw score of 54, uh, substantially short of the 67 minimum score for a D minus at at uh, guard, but not so short that you say you know he, he just completely uh, was was beaten in that game. Bad game, uh, gave up. Uh, Three quarters of the quarterback hits he gave up in the year on that game, one of 1.33. He gave up two thirds of a sack. He only had 1.83 on the year and he gave up two pressures and he only had nine on the year. So it was a lot of what went wrong with him that year in that last game. Sure. Well, top to bottom on that side of the ball that came. All right. Let's see. What else? Who do we want to talk about next? Let's move on to scored him a B minus, by the way, for his play for the year. I thought he was he was very solid. And that to me, that there's no reason you replace a guy like that at, at this point. F- Fluker uh, had 564 scored snaps at tackle. And there's a there's a very funny thing that kept happening when Fluker would play half a game, which happened a lot. He had some of those worst games of all, and he had a, a he had a tremendous variation in play by game. But he finished the year with three straight half games where he had scored an F in each one, including the two playoff games. Um, not the way to finish up your year, but also a player. I don't think the chance is zero that he'll be returning with the Ravens, even though a lot of people might think that. 
just speaking as last year, he was definitely a worthwhile gamble um, for a number 11 overall pick. Those, those players are always worth seeing what they can do. Didn't quite pan out, just heavy feet, um, nine penalties. I thought he was going to get a look at guard to start. Didn't, uh, didn't seem to go that way. Um, yeah, never got a shot there. That, that right. was very surprising, wasn't it? It was. It was. I thought he was penciled in for that job to start the season. And then you're thinking you have twin towers on the right side. Um, that, I, was, I was intrigued by that. The platooning, I thought that was interesting. I don't recall seeing that at tackle very much. I, if I remember correctly, there was some at center with uh, Gino Gratkowski and uh, Shipley. Um, and maybe at guard, but I don't, I don't recall seeing that at tackle. And you see maybe one game and then another game, you give a guy a shot, but drive to drive, you know, quarter to quarter, it was, it was a little bit different. Yeah, it, it was a little bit odd. And, uh, you know, it, it basically was telling you that, that they didn't really love either of these guys. And, and, you know, Fluker was a D plus and Phillips was a D at right tackle. And those weren't the only guys who got chances because you got a yeah you got a half out of McCary when things when everybody was hurt, and then you got another half out of Will Holden during that I think it was a Tennessee game at home, and he played very well. But the problem was that that they lost him uh, soon thereafter when they sent him back to the practice squad, and Indianapolis took him. I, I, Holden a good guy to talk about right here I think in terms of the tackle. Yeah, uh, a rare misstep by DaCosta there, I think. Mm-hmm. Tackles, they're just – there's not – I don't think there's 64 of them starting caliber in the league. There's maybe 45 or 50 um, to expose him to, to being poached was, uh, was probably a mistake. Yeah, I, I mean, there are two guys I really didn't like losing this year, and, and he was one and, and Geno Stone was the other that, that I thought had potential to do more for the Ravens than they had. Uh, you know, both of them obviously still young. Stone just drafted, but but even Holden was, I think, 27, 26 in there. He's not, he's not 30. Uh, he was drafted in 17. And, you know, would have been a guy that, that potentially could be that third tackle on a team. I think your team's in a little bit of trouble if he's, if he's penciled in as your starter. Mm-hmm. at right tackle, but you really need a guy that good um, to be your backup, your first backup at tackle and not be forced into the sort of situation the Ravens had where they didn't really have a, a clear winner and had to play two guys at that position. Um, he, he was a, uh, you know, it was an unfortunate loss. And, and you know, it, it, it stings a little more when it's other players on the margin who are not particularly great mm-hmm. who they're keeping. So they're keeping Christian Welch around as a special teams player and and he could have been a cut instead. And what's your feeling on that? I agree. I, I think you have to prioritize positional value in every decision. Um, and to have a special teams linebacker kept around uh, instead of a potentially very valuable tackle was, uh, was not, not necessarily the right decision. Right. The other guy eating up a roster spot for a fair amount of this season was Des Bryant. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously taking some snaps from from other players, not I, I still cannot figure out for the life of me why they really thought Des Bryant was a great pickup. Uh, obviously, it didn't work out from a receiving standpoint. I, I, I do like the fact I do like him more than Chad Johnson. I always make this point because he was actually trying and you can mm-hmm. see you can watch Chad Johnson play in 2020. There's a guy who absolutely is hating his situation, does not want to be at work. And makes no effort on interceptable balls. Uh, you know, you just hate everything about watching the guy play. Uh, he was a little bit better as a receiver than Bryant was, but Bryant at least was trying as a run blocker. Yes. Uh, I don't want to go down the, the wide receiver uh, <laughs> avenue either, but A.J. Green had a little bit of shades of not trying last year too, so I would not. he would not be at the top of my uh, wide receiver shopping list coming up. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm, I'm in the same place. Uh, one other guy I guess we didn't talk about is Ben Bredesen. Uh, he might fit into the center picture last year, but this year just 41 snaps as a sixth offensive lineman. Um, I, I, it's not that I really disliked him. All three of those Michigan linemen, uh, the left guard Bredesen, the center Ruiz, and the right guard Aweno I liked. But Aweno was by far the guy relative to his expected draft position that I really liked a lot more. In fact, I liked him more at 143. Um, I probably liked him more at 143 than Bredesen. And I, you know, the fact that the Patriots got him at 182 and were able to use him at two positions effectively just absolutely rips my gut out. 
Yeah, six rounder, all rookie team at tackle. Uh, I went to. Uh, I, I do recall. I was actually going to bring that up because I remember that you were uh, a fan of his last year. Bredesen, I thought was a good prospect too. Um, he's in the one percentile in arm length. Yes, that's uh, a big problem. Yes, yes. So, so his position, as you said, is probably going to be at center. Um, he's part of that shallow depth, as DeCosta called it. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to have to find out very quickly, I think, what they have there. Um, not because they really need to make a call on Bredesen as much as they need to make a call on total roster spots. So th- this is a team that they, they they don't have 13 offensive line spots on the roster. They, they're probably going to want to keep nine. They did keep 10 at times this year. Um, but nine, nine really makes more sense. And for, for Bredesen to make this team, I think he's going to have to prove that he can be a serviceable center back up before this year begins. So they're going to have to make sure his shotgun snaps are in order and whatnot. Now, he's still a young guy, a, a, a fourth, fourth round pick, I think he had 140s, um, that, that would make sense for them not to give up right away. But he doesn't have a, a leash that will uh, uh, extend forever here. Sure. Um, and we've seen them trade depth offensive line pieces for mid-round picks many times in the past. Uh, Alex Lewis comes to mind, uh, Jermaine yeah. Lenore. So, so there's, there's, uh, there's value to having good linemen. It, it's probably behind quarterback, the number two most important unit on the entire team. And I'd maybe put defensive backs third. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's see. I think we talked about everybody, but but let's let's go back and hit on one thing here. A couple of things in terms of positional battles. Um, first of all, where do you stand on the possibility of trading Zeus? Let's get that out of the way right up right about. And, and and what kind of value would you want to see? I'm I'm ambivalent on this topic. Uh, I can see the value in trading him, uh, especially if you can return a first plus. A player in a first or even an early second supposed to be a very good offensive line draft as many as I believe seven tackles will be expected to be picked in the first round 12 tackles picked in the first two rounds the problem is what if the tackle isn't the BPA at the pick and then you have a gaping hole that's uh, that's always the risk it's it's hard to walk into the draft with holes and stick to BPA and then you're just kind of caught in limbo. Do you want to leave a draft with, with a problem area or do you want to reach for a player that's not as great? Um, as far as Zeus, he benefits from Lamar and I think it's possible. I don't think he's the most talented tackle in the league. It's possible to potentially upgrade potentially in the draft. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's a rookie probably takes some development, some learning. Um, so, that's where I am with Zeus. Uh, I would, I would like to see if they can say, "Hey, how about you give right tackle one more try and weigh their options next year?" Because there still could potentially be a way to reap some value from them next year. So and a tag and trade or something. Tag and trade or comp pick. I mean, there there are some something coming back to you. Um, he doesn't. He doesn't have leverage because if he sits out, the year doesn't accrue, and he's right back where he was. So it's a tricky situation. It's really I don't know what's going on inside the room behind those walls. Does he mean I want to play left tackle next year, or I'm sitting out, or does he mean I'm just setting up to to make more money two years from now? Yeah, I I, I don't. I really don't believe uh, some of the bullcrap that's been reported so far about him. You know, I won't play left tackle, or I sorry, I won't play right tackle. I'm going to play left tackle. I think he wants to play left tackle, and he probably wants to play left tackle to maximize his career earnings, uh, which is not an unreasonable thing to look at. Every every executive in mid career is looking to do that. Why mm-hmm. shouldn't an offensive lineman be able to do that same thing? Uh, you know, it it just makes sense for for him to want to play left tackle from just that perspective. But I don't think that that you know he he obviously understands what the situation is. And if he comes back to the Ravens, he's obviously going to be playing right tackle, at least initially. If Stanley misses time, he'll get another shot to play some left tackle potentially in 2021. I think he's already showcased properly for a free agent move after 2021 based on how he played this year. So I don't think he's really he loses much uh, other than the ability to extend himself one year early by being traded 
this offseason? It, it's just it's just a tough spot. Um, Stanley's injury is really tough. They, they, it, the curse of the early extension. They had to reshuffle the line. Um, left tackle was fine. Right tackle took a huge hit because we were missing Stanley. Then because Orlando was at left tackle, now he has a bargaining position to be able to, to use. And John Harbaugh and Eric DaCosta emphasized offensive line before this news broke. And now you're talking about maybe having to trade your second best player when that was a unit you were looking to add to beforehand. Right. Uh, definitely not an ideal thing. What's, what's the what's the the value that you say I can't pass it up and put it just in terms of draft capital? Because once you include players, it gets too confusing with cap situation and whatnot. Uh, too good to pass up. I would say a late first and a late third. Something late first like. and a late third. Okay. So I, I we've done a little bit of studying on this. I think he's worth between 500 and 600 JJ points if I'm really looking at it, which puts it between the 31st and the 40th pick overall. If DaCosta gets more than that, it moves into the you cannot pass it up. Uh, routine, which would be anything above 31. The notion of of the Chargers trading the 13th overall pick for Brown, if the Ravens didn't jump on that as soon as they heard it, they'd be making a big mistake. Because it's not trading Orlando Brown for a first, or, or you know, it's trading one year right. on Orlando Brown exactly. <laughs> for a first round pick. So. That's always the problem with these blockbuster trades. Not only do you have to give up the capital, but then you have to pay the guy. It's a double whammy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it is a copycat league, and everyone saw the Super Bowl and saw what the Bucks did to the Chiefs when they were missing four of their five linemen. And uh, But then again, maybe that means that the linemen come off the board in the draft earlier. So it's a double-edged sword. I, I, I'm very interested to see how it plays out. I think they'll be okay potentially, but it, it forces you into taking a tackle early, I think, if, if you return draft capital for him. Yes, I, I think I think so. And your, your point was well taken about going into the draft with holes. Every team goes into the draft with holes, and the Ravens will go in with some anyway. Uh, they're they're going to draft offensive linemen. They need to, certainly need to draft edge rushers in this draft. So the Ravens are going to have a, a fair number of competing needs. It's good to have competing needs. It's really bad to go into the draft with one hole. Right. Uh, it's the hardest thing of all to go into the, into the draft needing just a starting quarterback. That's the worst thing of all. Mm-hmm. But 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 the but the teams that go into these drafts and they have and they have one hole, they're often held over a barrel and in a position to either reach or trade too much value to move to a spot where um, uh, you know they can they can get the guy that they really want. So uh, I, I what I always like is a lot of little competing needs or mid range mm-hmm. competing needs has been a good sweet spot for the Ravens to so just consistently trade down, harvest value that way, and then get guys they like a little later. Sure, sure. If you could fill the, the – and I think it's big three. I think it's receiver, edge, and uh, line. And if you can add a veteran at each of those three, then you walk in certainly willing to add more to each of those three. But also, if the can't-miss safety is sitting there at 27, you take him. You know, yeah, you it, take it, just, it opens everything up. So, uh, you want, like this – my my buddy Spencer says you can draft with both hands. You don't have one hand behind your back. Now, if you're if you're going back to last year, and you have the option of Xavier McKinney at number twenty eight or Patrick Queen, and you can redo it after Queen's rookie year, what would you do? Uh, Grant Delpit, even though he didn't play, I prefer Delpit to McKinney, but I didn't want an inside linebacker either way. So, all right, fair personally. enough. All right, so. Um, in terms of the draft capital, if if assuming the Ravens have multiple options and they're they're not in a, uh, a, a divergent BPA situation, how, how would you like to see the Ravens' draft capital allocated this year? They have about a uh, thousand and fifty total JJ points. Where where would you want them to spend that that early round draft capital? Uh, I would like to see a lineman taken sometime in the first three rounds. It's a good class, and I think you play to the strengths of the class. I certainly prefer that to going out and spending 12 to $15 million a year on a Joe Thune or a Corey Lindsley. To me, it's about taking advantage of the efficiencies. That's what the champions do, and Lamar gives an efficiency to the offensive line. So instead of 
continually adding and adding and adding, maybe take away something that you're already top three at and reallocating that to something that you can boost up a little bit. And that gives you the best benefit, the bang for your buck. But one other area I think the CASA could explore would be trading potentially for a center, um, looking at the teams that need cap space and where they could get cap space. There's quite a few linemen who would benefit both teams because the trading team keeps the bonus proration. So it's a reduced salary coming to the Ravens, uh, but they're still gaining net cap space. Uh, Nick Martin from Houston and Ben Jones from Tennessee, two very solid veterans, been around for a long time. Uh, guys to take a look at, or potentially Ryan Jensen could also be a cap casualty if Tampa Bay wants to uh, to keep their big three, Godwin, Barrett, and David, long-term. Yeah, very possible that Jensen is uh, is out there. It's the fourth year of a four-year deal. It's just the nature of the NFL. It's not that Ryan you know, had a particularly bad year this year, but he's certainly a, you know, a player who might be out there. Um, and, and you shouldn't have to trade much for these guys. They're going to be cuts. You know, most of these guys are going to be cut. So it's it's kind of an Anquan Bolden trade situation where you give that team some salvage value, but you're not you're not talking about a four or anything. You might be talking about a six, maybe even a seven, maybe a conditional six. Um, that would be the kind of value they'd have to trade for a guy who's already got a big contract. And and the by trading for a veteran instead of signing a veteran, or if it's at least an unrestricted veteran, you retain your compensatory formula. So uh, so you potentially get that pick right back next year. Yeah, good point. And the Ravens obviously have some savvy in uh, in, in doing that sort of thing. Um, the center competition always worth discussing when we're talking offensive line. How do you think that'll play out? If I had to wager, and a lot of uncertainty because of, of Zeus, but I I think they are probably going to add a veteran at center. Um, maybe that's an Alex Mack who's been around for a long time. Um, if not, I think it's Skura versus Bredesen, um, and and that's that would probably be uh, most of the competition, but. More likely than not, in my opinion, if they're going to add somewhere a veteran, it is going to be center. I don't think it's worth it to to invest at guard, um, in my opinion. It is a big loss coming off a season where you had potentially five guys who could fill that center role on the team. Or at least four. I mean, I'm not I'm not. Maybe I'll take Bozeman off the table, but you've got TCC, you got Skura, you got McCary and you got Bredesen. And then maybe you have Bozeman. But you have four guys anyway on the team who you, who you could play at center. It's a big loss if they have to go to the free agent market and find a center. Or even if they have to go to the draft and get a Creed Humphrey in round two. It's just it's, – that is a substantial admission that all of your guys you did and your roster things you did with TCC, for example. Keep, he was another guy who took a spot from, from players like Stone and uh, – uh, well, Stone is the, is the, was, was the bigger loss uh, at Holden. Um, if, once you do that, you've, you've, um, I, I don't know. It's, I, it's not like it's, it's admitting you were wrong is a bad thing. It's just some of these players are still young and still have potential value that can be harvested. And you're giving up on trying to harvest that, uh, seems to be not entirely the Ravens way. So I, I'm not as convinced that they'll go out and get a free agent center. I don't think as you are. They might draft one. Fair point. Fair point for sure. Draft. I think you definitely have to prioritize tackle. Even if Brown returns, even if you sign Brown to a five-year deal, you still need a swing tackle. That was yeah. one piece that was missing last year. And there are some good players with uh, with swing tackle plus guard versatility. Uh, Mayfield out of Michigan is an interesting prospect in that regard. Yeah, it's a it's a that's a position where it's been ridiculously hard to find your third tackle. And you made the point earlier that there aren't sixty-four guys who can play. At a starting level, I think that's certainly true. So many of these guys, they played tackle in college. I think NFL teams assume they might be able to play tackle in the NFL. And Phillips is probably a good example with the Ravens of a guy who does not really seem equipped to do it with the with the feet he's got. Uh, you hope maybe he could do it with Lamar, but then there's just there's just so many players. And ends up we we see guys traded at the end of cut time where tackle is always the kind of the mispriced level. So the, 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 the cast off tackle will often go for a six and any other position thing it's conditional seventh is the only thing they'd ever trade for a player like that. Sure. Sure. 
Uh, and then guard is the other big competition, right? Because if it's not at center, then it's a guard. And a lot of those players have dual, dual versatility at both of those. Um, but I, this notion that you have to put five studs in front of Lamar, I think that's a poor, poor investment. The use of resources, three and four, and, and all these mid-round picks you have, and let them fight it out and take that those resources and put them where you don't have a fourth multiplier like Lamar already boosting. Mm-hmm. That's that's a that's a yeah that's a good idea. I mean, a, a guard. How do you see the competition playing out there? That's you know just to lay lay the groundwork. Yeah, Bozeman. I think I don't think he'll be moved because he's too important to the way the Ravens run their offense, playing left guard. So as much as you know, they may talk about. It, I don't think he's going to be moved. Yeah. Any feel any difference in feeling? No, about that? I think that's I think they've shown that he was he was back up <clears throat> to Skura two training camps ago, and then he, once he became entrenched, I think he's staying there. Mm-hmm. And then Powers now seems to be the incumbent at right guard. They do have other options. Bredesen is is around. Uh, uh, he's a possibility. Phillips uh, is there and has some of the physical attributes they obviously like, and that's why they drafted him originally. Uh, who else you got? Uh, I think it's Powers and Phillips head to head, and and Powers has uh, the advantage, and Phillips needs to have a a a great uh, a leap this off season to to unseat him. And a player like McCary, if they decide that they want to get their player at center, is he in the right guard hunt then all of a sudden? Because I don't think he's in the left guard hunt. I would say, I would say so for sure. I, I think it's – we kind of had this idea last year. They have a lot of guys who are going to fight it out, <clears throat> and they're going to find the combination that works. And it didn't quite happen this year, but you lost Stanley. You know, that changed everything. I think they can – Fight it out. Not every team has five first-round picks and $15 million players across all five positions. Yeah, it's really the Dallas Cowboys and nobody else of a few years ago had that sort of an offensive line. Um, Let's just get right to the money shot here. Who are your five opening day starters for, for 2021? I do think Stanley will be ready, knock on wood. Bozeman, obviously, next to him. As I mentioned, uh, a center to be acquired, a veteran, um, Powers. And I think that Zeus will still be in purple week one. Okay. I think that's probably a pretty good bet across the board. I won't make any changes to that. Uh, Voss, always a pleasure to have you on the show. as a cerebral conversation about football when you're here. Uh, tell folks about Twitter handle and anything you want to plug. Sure. I'm at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown, a writer editor for Baltimore Beatdown, recently published an article talking about maximizing efficiencies along the lines of this conversation, uh, working on an article right now about some trade targets at the offensive line, uh, including some tackles that we didn't mention. So please uh, come visit our site and, uh, and, and join the conversation. Oh, it's good. Always a, a very good conversation over there. So a lot of the uh, the comments on articles, one thing I noticed, but there's also it's not a board such as so much as it is. It's a it's a user comments on articles mm-hmm. to, to, that goes back and forth. But yes. pretty good, pretty good community that's very active in terms of, of responding to things. Uh, upcoming on this show. Well, let's look back for a second. First of all, really want you to watch the Michael Crawford and Josh Mustyko things. One of the best studies I've ever seen done. It marries fantastic film work with outstanding uh, ability to use tools and append data from th- places like NFL Fast R and puts the tool right in the hand of the skeptic, which is a very, very, very nice thing to be able to do. But outstanding piece out there. It's on our video thing. It's also available as a podcast, but watch the video. Just take the time, be at your computer. I know most people access this on your phone, but if you access the video on the computer, you'll be able to see it better and you'll be able to get through this great explanation from Michael and a great tool that you can then use and play with yourself to try and see, well, if I change change this parameter, change that parameter. How does that change the thing? Uh, positional analysis. This is the second to last one. So you've presumably been listening to these. We have the ones coming up on free agency next and then the draft after that. And I'm sure we'll be hearing from Voss on at least one position group there. Voss, thanks again for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. 
It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Some cars are comfy on the inside, but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower, but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.